What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number three of the Jason Juliet podcast. Thank you for joining me, and boy, do I owe you guys some updates. So, for those of you keeping track, my tour started about three and a half weeks ago. I put in almost 5,000 miles in a 5,500-mile road trip. I started in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I did Saratoga, New York. New York City, Long Island, D.C., Philadelphia, Myrtle Beach, Orlando, Nashville, Kansas City, Denver. And right now, I am coming to you from Denver, where I have two stops left in Dallas, Texas, and Austin, Texas. Let me begin by saying that I grossly overestimated the amount of free time that I would have on this tour. I simply did not give myself enough time to edit the episodes, to run my social media, to make sure I'm set up for nursing school, to take care of all my student nursing association responsibilities, and to also keep all of you updated on what's been going on with the tour. Unfortunately, my priorities have fallen to making sure I get to the guests to do the interviews and making sure that I am a good guest and a good host to my guests and my hosts who have been kind enough to open up their homes to me being on the road here. So thank you to everybody so much. But man, I uh, I owe you guys some updates. So here's how I'm going to structure this from this point forward. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to release one episode per week. Obviously, it's been about Four since I released uh, my first episode with Colleen, but from now on, I'm going to do my best to stick to releasing one episode every week, but what I am going to do, since all of these are pre-recorded, is the introductions that you're listening to right now, I'm going to record the day that I release the episode, because I want to give you guys some updates. I want people to be able to know that what they're hearing is current. When I put out a new episode, it might be a conversation from a couple months ago, but the introduction will be from that day. So at least you guys will know what's going on. That being said, that would bring us to updates for where we are right now. As I said, I got to Denver, Colorado yesterday. It is absolutely beautiful here. I've went around to a lot of different places, and the people here are awesome. It's, they've got a lot of free transportation. It's, it's a really nice city. I, I, I do enjoy it here. Everybody seems really relaxed. I can't figure out why. Um, must be something in the air. But basically, the podcast movement convention, which I believe I mentioned in my last episode, was over 2,000 podcasters, industry professionals, you name it, from the podcasting industry, all got together in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I was there for the entire thing. It was absolutely mind-blowing. It was just, I, I had no idea how big of a deal podcasting is, how big it's becoming, what an industry it is, and and, and what markets are still left untapped. I mean, how many of you out there, I'm the only podcaster you know. So there were just a lot of eye-opening things that happened in Philadelphia this this year. In particular was the networking. I met so many people, new friends, fellow podcasters, people that were basically going through a lot of the same things that I was, who had the same problems that I did and uh, were facing some of the same challenges that I did because... All it takes is one person to have a solution to that problem, and it spreads. So it was fantastic to network with everybody. I could sit here and recite names for hours because these people really did influence me. They definitely made an impact on my life, and I'm sure I'll be mentioning them in one way or another in forthcoming episodes. 
And there is one more big update that I want to make, which is that I have made the decision to change providers. Um, and I don't want to go into the details yet, except to say that in the very near future, for those of you who are familiar with podcasts, you will now be able to listen to me on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, and on Spotify to start. Uh, those are really the big ones. For those of you unfamiliar, basically those are the main apps that you would use to listen to podcasts on your phone, which a lot of people do, you know, riding in their car on the way to work, while they're jogging, you know, any place that you would listen to music. So if you have an iPhone, you turn on Apple Podcasts and there are all the podcasts and you would then be able to find the Jason Juliet podcast on Apple Podcasts. You would also be able to find it on Google Podcasts if you have a Google phone or on Stitcher if you have an Android. So that is very exciting. That's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. And we're also going to give my website a little bit of a tune up because I was attempting to manage that by myself. And as I mentioned before, I simply do not have enough hours in the day to do that, so I've decided to outsource it to true professionals. So that is very exciting. Please look for those updates coming up, and without further ado, I give you Mr. Nate Danker. Now, me and Nate have been friends for a long time. We got into a lot of stuff here, catching up about some of the basically same paths that we've walked through life. Uh, Nate was also a musician. Nate is a mixologist and bartender. We worked together in New York City and we got into a lot of deep meaning of life stuff, but we also got into a lot of uh, superficial stuff too. And, and it was a great conversation and I cannot wait to get back up there. But until that time, I give you an interview from my first trip up to Saratoga Springs, New York, and that is with Mr. Nate Danker. Right, so we're here with Nathan Danker. So, actually, is your first name Nathan or is it's it Nate? Nathaniel. It's Nathaniel. So I'm, I'm here with Nathaniel man. Danker. I guess so. I guess so. All right, so I made it to Saratoga. So this is actually the very first leg of this tour that I'm doing. I can't even remember how many miles. I don't know. I was staring at too many numbers either. this morning. I want to say it was right about 430 miles up here, seven hours. From where you are, yeah. That sounds right. But came up here to see my boy Nate Danker, man. So it's dude. how long has it been? Uh, I mean, usually too long, but I don't even know what year. It was. I left New York City in 2013. That's insane. And I want to say we've seen each other once since I then. I think it was one time. You and that came, was it. I, I, was still, to... I was still sticking down to Austin, but I booked myself. I overbooked myself because I went to Colorado like a month after. That's right. You were supposed to come down to and Austin. I felt really and bad. You never that phone made call. it. I was in Long Island, right by Nassau County, at my friend's house, and I remember just being like, I really don't want to make this phone call, because I was so excited, because everything's like, everyone always tells me, gotta go to Austin, right. gotta go to Austin. I was like, alright, yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Yeah, and we um, we just sort of missed each other then, yeah. but I can't, I can't even remember if that was before or after we met up in New York, but I think it was after, because I moved out of New York that year year later in the year okay i think you came in the year prior to that and we tried to catch back up and yeah. we just sort of yeah, missed yeah. each other but it's happening now it's, it's happening now. it's it's always good to see people you know life happens like that and, and, you know you oh, try and line stuff no, up there's, there's never a negative connotation no. to it at all it's just really cool that we get to do this and actually this is kind of better i mean 
my own place now. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sitting here in Saratoga. We're on the third floor mm-hmm. of what used to be a mansion. Obviously. A mansion. I mean, this was a yeah. just a hell of a house. I mean, this is amazing from it, the outside. I forget where or who it was. I knew it one time, but I think it was constructed in the 1870s. Wow. And you can tell you haven't even seen it yet, but the back stairwell to go outside the parking lot they're really narrow they used to be like the butler quarters where oh. only servers would use that stairwell to come up with trays and laundry and all that kind of wow. stuff wow so it's okay. really cool yeah it's uh, saratoga is a really old town i mean you gotta think about battle saratoga like that's like the biggest thing but. now the okay so i don't know that much about the city what's the battle of saratoga when i mean was that? it was one of the pivotal points in the civil war um i should know more by now but i've been trying to soak up as much as i can because this town has so much history with the racetrack and the casino and John Morrissey. Who yeah, was, you mentioned the racetrack. Who, as well. who was a you know a member of the um, Dead Rabbit Gang and then came up here, became a senator, and became a congressman, and he opened up the racetrack with John Travers. That's why you hear Travers Weekend. Oh, and that guy. Okay. So there's a lot of historic stuff that's happened here, and it's never really died down in the uh, almost 200 years that it's been around. Yeah, you told me. I mean, I'm going to be leaving town in two days, and you said what it looks like on the weekend even on your way out like when these races are going on because of the racetrack that's right. here and um, we're actually we're closer so broadway which is essentially like the downtown if you want to think maybe like the bourbon street of the town that people get broadway that here racetrack's over here so i'm only a half mile away so, so you're a half mile from uh, the racetrack yeah and it's gonna be in like people park over on my street a half mile away to just walk to the racetrack because it's so busy yeah, I don't know. I've never experienced it. I was going to say, so how long have you been here now? Have you got a chance to make it to any of these? I mean, so we're in Saratoga, and I grew up in Schenectady, which is only about a half hour away, but I still never really came to this area that often. There was really just never a reason. I didn't know anyone up here, um, but I've, I know where everything is. I've just never experienced it during a track season, which I hear is just absolute chaos for six weeks. Like, people in my industry, because I'm a bartender— they say that you can pay your bills in six months and six weeks. Wow. That, I mean, I'm a little hard-pressed after you and I, you know, we worked in Manhattan. We saw, right. We saw what real money looks like. It's it's much different there, yeah. It's, I, it's a whole but different they're, ballgame. But they're, t- they're trying to tell me that it's the same exact thing. The, the way I like to describe it, to because, I mean, there's so many servers and bartenders and, and, and people out there, but the way that I like to describe the belfry so so for those of you who don't know just to catch up real quick that's obvious that's how we know each other so mm-hmm. we were co-workers you and actually, i guess you you taught me how to bartend well yeah i oh man, you i guess taught i taught me how to bartend i guess i did mm-hmm. but we we were co-workers at the belfry mm-hmm. which used to be king's head tavern and that's right in uh second and um between second and third on 14th street right outside of union square oui. and we got into the this was just one of those bars that it's a New York City bar, and it was just busy. Now, it wasn't always. You have to tip your hat to Mike. Absolutely. It was— Michael Bailey is an absolute genius yeah, as an it, entrepreneur it, it in, was, that, in that scene. Absolutely. It, it was not a good bar. I mean, it was like one of those like college hangouts, kind of like this grungy, low-level yeah. kind of thing. And then he took over, just completely started redoing all the woodwork. Everything. He just started putting time, and he cared about the business. It's amazing. I, just having talked to an entrepreneur, uh, Colleen, in my last interview, mm-hmm. I mean, the similarities between those two, just like everything that he touched in that business, he loved. But anyway, so it got busy. Like like the reason yeah, I started really the story, busy. we used to be so busy at this bar, but we made the kind of money 
that everybody tells you that they make when they're telling you how much you should come and work at their restaurant. <laughs> oh, you got to cut this bar. I make three, four, five, six hundred dollars. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. They never you do. don't make that much. Right. You made that much one time when it was a holiday yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, it's always Santa that busy. Con, totally. Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so much. But at the Belfry, we actually made and it was that consistent. kind of money. It was consistent. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, if they don't know if you're never been in New York or lived in New York is that summertime is supposed to be a pretty slow time for them. That's their off season. If you want to call it the Belfry never saw a slow time ever. There was no, I mean it, it would take holidays or like special and week, like Labor Day weekend or something. Yeah. But it was it. so rare. I mean, you went in there on a Tuesday. It doesn't matter what month it was, yep. but that, or Wednesday or Thursday. It didn't matter almost what day it was. Sundays were a little slow, but I mean, it's the bars. Right. It, it was just, it was amazing. It was constantly busy. And I mean, the good, the cool thing about that, and I really, I appreciate the Belfry probably more so than any other place I've worked. And I've worked at really prestigious places is that you had, you had to learn. You couldn't just exactly sit back and be like, oh, I'll figure it. No, it, it pushed you so hard. And bartending is a really cool career because it asks a lot of you like a lot of you that you don't really get to give in other like career fields. Very, very much so. I, bartending definitely taught me a lot. It's patience it, is the towards towards the top. I'll say there's, you know, I mean, man, how, how many times have you sat around and talked about like the service industry? You know, it's like, where do you begin? I mean, it's, there's pros to it. There's cons to it. There's, you know, I, I think that it's a great stepping stone and that it can teach you a lot of great things, but I think oh, yeah. too many people get caught up in it and they can never get out because sure. I know that for a long time, and we were talking about what we've learned from mm -hmm. bartending, mm -hmm. that there's some people that get into bartending, waiting tables, hostessing, busing, even, even you know, All certainly the, the kitchen staff, like oh. those, they have the worst job. That is one of the most difficult, stressful, dangerous job. Absolutely. That's, that, that is Absolutely. a job that yeah. deserves a tip of the hat. And I, yes. But... What I wanted to say was that the the bartending industry and the service industry, it can suck people in and make them so negative. And you run into that sometimes. Like you can walk down and sit at a bar and you're like, this person behind the bar, they don't want to be there. I can tell they don't want to be there. And I, the only reason I know this is because I used to be that guy. You were getting there. I was getting there, you man. You were getting there. It's, you know, I, I used to say there's like a social gas tank that we all have like we only have like so much ability to just smile when someone's being mean to us when someone's being rude to us when just someone's being condescending drunk. yeah absolutely and it, it's that's it was running low and but we gotta think about i mean how all right what like what were our sales remember our sales <clears throat> we I, I mean i don't know if we, we would say like, them publicly um but i i do know the numbers that we used i mean i was the manager yeah i used to, i used to watch those quite they, closely like thousands of dollars we would do in one shift. Oh, each, each, not, each. Not, I, I, not, not the establishment. Each bartender. So, how many drinks are you? How many interactions? How many conversations are you having? And how many negative ones it's going to take for you to really get to that wall and be and, like, and this "That's is, this. what I think people don't get." And they understand that is that you know you could be very positive. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, sure. you, but you keep chipping away at someone's patience. Yeah. Eventually they're going to crack. Everybody has their breaking point. Everyone. And, uh, and I, I think that it was, it, it was great for me to, to work at the Belfry and see where my breaking point was because I found it. You did find and, But the thing is you were, you got to make sure you understand where you are as a person. And it, it, 
there are pros and cons to any single job and there's a lot of pros to us but there's also cons and if it's really not worth the balance then don't do it anymore and the skill set it takes for a high volume bartender can do many many different careers absolutely and that's that's what i was saying is if you take the positive lessons mm -hmm. from that especially think about how privileged we are to get to to over here, we have, I'll tell you what, there are bartenders out there who know some of the secrets of the world, man. Like the fact that we get to be a fly on the wall and some of the conversations that happen on yeah. those side of the bars. I mean, if you think about when stuff really gets talked about, you have a couple drinks, you let your guard down. It's like, all right, let me tell you what's up. <laughs> like, here's what I really think about. And it could be anything. If they're there with a business partner, they're talking about serious business stuff. If they're there with a spouse or someone that's not their spouse, you know, right. they're talking about serious life. And you get to listen to these big, like, meaning of life conversations. I'm not going to lie to you. That's obviously been a little bit influential on in what I'm doing right now. I think, actually, no. I mean, this is, again, this, this is what we do. This is, this is cool that this is just live and we're talking. But there was a time that you were talking to someone that I think was in the nursing or hospital field that said, I, I thought it was that when you were leaving there, you were changing careers pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think you already had something lined up, but it's only, it's only because we met the right people because yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about my boy Rod. Yep. And he was the one that was like, I got a friend and his name, his name. Um, and, and he's, he's a great guy and he's very, very, um, very well educated, well read. Mm -hmm. His name was Stephen. Um, uh, actually, I don't. I, I don't want to say his name. I'll, I'll leave his name out of this. But he he was a good dude. Yeah. But Rod knew him from like the wrestling circuit and everything else, and doing some personal training with him. And he was one of the premier personal trainers in the city. Like people that That's what it was. like people that were like, okay, I'm a high powered executive. I have like an extra two hours, maybe three hours a week to work out. I need to, they would go to him right. and he was the guy that was like, listen, we'll figure you out. We'll turn your life around. And I started doing like an internship there and that was, That's yeah, was. but we started, I, I just that. started transitioning very quickly out of that. And then eventually when I got to Texas after that short wine sommelier mm -hmm. management thing where I tried right, to do the coin, restaurant yeah. industry one more time, I gave it one last shot and I couldn't do it. But yeah, then nursing was after that. So I, yeah, that was probably pretty influential um, when I was up there in New York City to be able to to be to work so closely with a guy that was really changing yeah. people's lives. That's I mean, awesome. he was transforming human beings from like overweight, out of shape, tired all the time, run down, depressed, changing their diet, changing their exercise, like changing their lifestyle, and yeah. like reinventing these people. Mm -hmm. And it was. That was sort of what inspired me to to sort of go down to Austin and think, you know, if I'm going to go into something, maybe maybe this nursing thing, maybe there's something to it. Which is funny because uh, I just I think Jason Juliet. I'm like, what would he do? But out of out of all anything the, and everything, out of if all you the talk things, to my dad, he does everything, but he quits everything after <laughs> every, as soon as he figures it out, he's on to the next thing. He doesn't want to do anything for long long enough to get a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. But I think bartending probably triggered a lot of that. But that's not the only thing we have in common. I wanted to talk to you about music. I oh, did. I did right. want to talk to you about music yeah, because yeah, yeah. one of the things that unites a lot of service industry people is that they're bartending or waiting tables because they're, they're in the process aspiring. of building up. Right. They're an actor. They're a musician. They're a comedian. They're a dancer. They're a something. Some sort of right. physical skill right. or talent. They're and, trying and, to and refine. And then New York, New York, I mean, almost everyone. 
I think, I mean, name one, I mean, James. Maybe he was the, no, but he's now, he, he's a journalist now. He was doing journalism. He was actually doing MMA too for a little bit. Didn't he fight oh, uh, once or twice? A couple yeah, of times he, he got into that. it. So did Justin. Oh, Justin. Oh, yeah, I hear Justin pretty. He Justin did pretty, a couple of times. Did I, he I do think. Muay Thai? I forget what he did. He was doing Muay Thai. Um, Justin was, and I think James did some MMA fights, and and we also we were all sort of competing around the same time. I was boxing mm-hmm. down in Texas yep. the same time they were doing the the MMA stuff that, yep. up here in New York. Yep. Um, but yeah, everybody has some sort of artistic outlet there. I mean, there's. Yep. N- there's very few people that are like, oh yeah, I moved to New York because I, I love to wait tables. And I just, I always wanted to wait tables in a New York city. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's right. a couple, there's but, a couple but, but, but it's mostly it's people that are like, all right, I'm going to pay the bills with this. Right. And my creative venture is going to go on the outside. And you were one of those people. You, I, yeah. Music was your gig for a, yeah, a right. long time. I mean, yeah. t- tell me about how you ended up in Saratoga, New York as oh, a musician wow. and a bartender. Uh, that, no, that's actually, it's kind of a fun story. Um, no, I, so I was living in Schenectady, like I think I mentioned before, which is about a half hour south of Saratoga where we are now. Um, but I was really, I was really hitting my stride with music. Um, I was doing two different projects. Uh, I had my own thing, which I still kind of do. It's a little bit slower, but, uh, I sang for a metal band, um, called the Viking and we were doing pretty well, but then I don't say life got in the way, you know, just priorities kind of shift where, um, I mean, they were my, all of them. They were my friends for at least a decade, probably 15 years. But, you know, they buy houses, they get careers, they have children, they get married. So Priority that, shift. Priority stuff. And, and listen, anything that makes people happy, I support. And I was never upset about it whatsoever. So I was like, all right, I'm still trying to do my solo thing, so let's move to New York and try to figure this out. Now, the whole goal was to be a musician in New York and do that, and that's how where I was going to you know, make it, whatever the, the thing is. Right. But then... I was like, all right, I gotta pay the bills. I was like, all right, how am I gonna pay? Gonna pay the my my songs aren't that, my songs that are inevitable. not good enough to pay Manhattan yeah, rent. The inevitable, <laughs> they're not that good. The the bills keep coming no matter They'll what. Never it's stop. like ah, death and taxes. Not getting any are. paychecks from these songs. No, 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 no. So, I was playing out for a little while, but then I got hired, and my first job was at the Belfry. And anyone that knows anything about New York should. N- at least it should ring a bell that the Belfry was a an incredibly great bar for what they were doing. It really was, man. We uh, the, the combination of just like again, hats off to Mike Bailey. I believe yep, that he hundred percent he was the he steered the ship in the right direction, and we just try to help him get there. That's about the best way you could put it. He steered the ship in the right direction. He did, he really and, did. And he and like he thought about every single aspect of every single thing dude there were times and and not to cut off your story no. because i the the musician story and no, how you there, I'll get there, I'll get there. I, but i tell you what i remember a couple of times coming in and every time i went down to the office i was like doing work i'd be making schedules doing inventory doing all that kind of stuff but he would always have books laying around always he would have books on mixology books on furniture making books on it's like he, he had wanted books on just being like a like a ceo like owning his own company right. and like, he was always trying to learn he's like okay if i'm gonna do this how am i gonna do it better than the other guy and, and that, I tell you what, and I said this in the last podcast, and I, this will probably be a recurring theme. Of course. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but boy, do I appreciate that now. I mean, that's that's a way of light, like becoming obsessed with your craft. Yeah. I mean, that that's a reoccurring theme, obsessing if, with if your you craft. you want to do it the right way, you have to. But we did learn a lot from Mike, so I, yeah, I you got to throw that I out learned, there. Sure. I learned more from Mike as an individual than I have in as from any other person in the bartending industry 
as a, like a whole in the bartending whole, industry as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because his level of just dedication, timing, and I, he, he branded the belt. He is the belfry. Yeah. He made the belfry, the belfry. Yep. That, yep. that, that room could be anything you want, but Michael Bailey is the belfry. Right. Yeah. But also I just want to say real quick, because whoever hears this is that John Sineshin, I don't know how much you got to work with John, but you guys, you George, you guys speak very highly of him. You said that he's he's a great dude. He came in and did a great job, and, and still continues to do so, from what I understand. I think that Mike laid down the tracks, and I think that John pushed the train down him. Wow. Okay. I think that together they are they're an unstoppable team. But uh, but no so right, music, so let's music, music, so let's music, let's music. take another tact here right. yeah like so music. so I definitely I, I want to talk to you about music and yep. even if uh, because the fact of the matter is is that it's very interesting how similar some of our live our, our, our life paths are if you think about That's it That's true and we share that with a lot of people out there I mean how many creative individuals worked in the service industry and in bars restaurants hotels whatever kitchens. Yep. Yep to pay the bills while they try to succeed at some creative venture. And there are, I, I mean, I, tr there's millions of us oh, yeah. all oh, over the country. All, all over. Yeah. How have you navigated this? Because there's not really a nice place in society for us to fit into. No. And we're frequently reminded of that. Oh, we are unfortunately. Frequently. And I'm not going to lie. Saratoga is definitely a, a very clean cut place. Very much so that, it's been this way for a while, and people that are here have been here for a long time, and they all know each other, and if you try to shake things up, you get a lot of pushback. But, so going back to uh, moving to New York, went to play music, got a job at the Belfry, and then I realized that bartending isn't bartending anymore. It's not, it's not making drinks for people. It's not pouring a beer. There's just as much creativity behind cocktails than there is for music, in my opinion. And I've done a lot. So since when I moved to New York, I don't know if you know this, I went from bottom bar back to head bartender in nine months. So I remember walking into the Belfry and like you were bar backing when I left and then all of a sudden you're bartending down there and I was like, whoa, Nate, <laughs> Nate, Nate knows what's up now. Yeah. Uh, apparently he's pretty good at this now. And, and from that point on, you just went, you you had done sort of a similar thing to where I was. Is you were like, "Hey, I want to get better at this. Let me learn everything," and you just went for it. Uh, I did, and I left the Belfry to go work at the Nomad Hotel. I remember that. So for those that aren't on the up and up with cocktail bars and all that kind of thing, the Nomad Hotel would have been 2017 won Best American Bar, third best bar in the entire world. Really. I had to be a bar back for six months before I could even be a bartender because the cocktail like program there was so intense. Jeez. Not only on top of 34 to 36 of their own original cocktails, they have their own classic cocktail specs. So an Aperol spritz that you would just find on the back of a bottle of Aperol, if you ever have an Aperol spritz, that they actually have the... That's they, not how they, they make do theirs. It. So 88 plus, it's 120 cocktails you got to memorize. So, so let me ask you: at an establishment like that, like a daunting list like that, can an average person no. go in and have a good no. time at a oh, place I'm like sorry. that? Yeah, I sorry. mean, like I'm yes. sure you could have a good time, but I mean, yes, you know. And and the the best thing I loved about the Nomad is that there wasn't like they could have done they could have done 
anything that they, they still can do anything they want. But you can go in like, what am I wearing now? I wear I wear jeans that I cut into shorts, <laughs> and I wear my friend's tattoo shop t shirt. Like that's that's what I wear. Like just going out, and I could walk in Nomad, and there would be no sort of pushback. I'd be like, welcome, thank you so much for coming here, and a glass of water and a menu would be in front of me within thirty seconds. Wow. So so they're very accommodating to like the average person, even anyway. though that they hold themselves like crazy high standards. And, and and they hold their employees to crazy high standards and they're they're like, Okay, oh, we are the pinnacle they are. of what we do, said, but we, we don't care who the customer no, is. Like come in and nope. anyone you're welcome. Anyone because the number one thing is that there's consistency is the number one thing. But the, then the quality is second. But the, it's more of the consistency. So Anyone can walk in, and you could open up a menu, and you've seen these menus where there's different Amaros and different house-made syrups. Yeah, you like, have to, like, choose your bitters and, and from the bitters like, menu, yeah, and, and you're like, like, dude, what? And then people are like, <laughs> what is, what is it, what's jackfruit, and how is it a syrup, and, like, how does that? So all they would do be like, and they would look at the menu, and some people would be like, ah, and then a bartender would be like, what would you like to drink? Like, what do you like to drink? What 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 in the mood for? Dark spirit, light spirit, citrus spirit forward more classic like, and they would ask you and they had all those classics i talked about the specs just ready to go there's no book we all have the moleskins the little books that we have all right in. they had them but no one ever used them and on the fly they would just have this cocktail that i haven't made in three or four months and just give it to me like hey how's this and everyone always loved it so when you were learning how to do all this, like, I mean, this stuff obviously takes a lot of time, so like, because time. I, I remember like starting to dive into this stuff I, and I, I worked harder at the Nomad than I'd probably, I'd say, I'd say it's equal, equal or harder than I did in college. Really? Wow. Because I, I, I so wanted what, to be there. So, so the whole point, like one of the thing, the, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about was mm -hmm. music. So like what was going on with your music career when you were spending all your time? Right. Sorry. I can't because, no, 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 dude, it's totally <laughs> cool. It happens. It's, it brings up a very noteworthy topic that when you start to get older, you start to have a little bit more ambition. You start to think, okay, I can, like, I need to start doing this and yep. get, you know, this stuff together, establish myself. And for me, when I was a musician and I was going into these bars and I was trying to think, okay, well, I, I want to do well in my employment. You know, I, I want to do good with this stuff. So then I started pouring time into that, but then it was taking away from my music. Mm. So that's what I want to, that's what I want to know. So when you, you started doing all this cocktail stuff and that might've been the last time I talked to you. So what's right. going on with the music and, and, and how have you balanced those? So came down to New York. Started bartending to pay the bills. Wanted to play music. Saw the way that your work ethic was. And then I saw you still working so hard. I was like, why is this dummy working so hard when he doesn't have to? And then I realized that you and I were very similar in that aspect. And then I took that work ethic and I carried it with me. And I realized that cocktailing and creating cocktails is just as creative as music. And so... I started doing all these things and then I started doing cocktail competitions and then I started getting Did paid. you really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know you were doing those. So Renaissance Hotel, which is owned by one of the bigger hotels, they own like everything, flew me down to DC to do a cocktail competition and I won that. What? Yeah. Dude, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. What the? Well, okay, so, so, so like tell us about this because it's uh, okay. somebody right. I had no clue about. Like, so this is, this is great because you'll, you'll appreciate this a little bit more. So Noah and myself... Right. Noah was one of our coworkers. No, yeah, he's, Noah he's, started out as a porter. 
I remember that, and man. And now he's the manager of Fern. What? Noah is? Noah's like, it's literally, it's Michael Bailey, John Seneshin, and Noah. Shut up. He's, he had, he does look good for him, his, man. His brain works so well. That is awesome. That Where, is great to hear. Like, I had no idea what happened to him. That is like awesome. He's like logistically sound, but he also thinks about what's going to make people happy. Oh, that is, per- and dude, he is going to learn so much from Mike. Mike's probably mentoring him. That, that kid's going to be great. That's good to hear. That's yeah. good to hear. So, uh, yeah, we have, we have some, we have some really, we have really, really talented friends in this industry. Like not because we know them or because we work with them because I've worked many other places in different cities and these people are so talented. You can't say enough good things about them. They're so talented. You, you really can't. And, and like, I'm not a big one of those, like, uh, that book, the secret and that Rhonda, whatever her name is, Rhonda Bynes or whatever. Like, I'm not one of like, I'm not that crazy, but there is something to be said that you sort of get back the yeah. energy that you put out and Mike and all those people we worked with, like they just, they're good people. And so good call, people tend, I say PMA a lot. And for people that don't know what PMA is, PMA is positive mental attitude. Yeah. And if, if you keep it, if you don't let it get away from you, a lot of good things will happen to you. That is the single greatest revelation of my life in, in my age now is that, yeah, that, that you, happiness is a choice. I mean, you, you can really it, choose to be. And you picked it up, but I, I watched you pick it up, which is really cool. It was, I, I couldn't implement it. I couldn't implement <laughs> it in that easy. environment. I'm saying hey, that you, hey, you mentioned it. You, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, look, you can chip away at anybody long enough. Oh, and and oh, every person has their wear, breaking oh, point. Every man, every woman, every child, every, I don't care if you're black, white, tall, short, fat, mm-hmm. skinny, like everyone's got their breaking point where it's like, if one more person flips out on me yeah. about like something that isn't my fault, That's like your fault, like I'm going to rip my hair out of my head and go break the glass in the front door so that the police have to come and close the restaurant. It's like, and you're just like back there, like scraggly eyed, like, and if, and if people oh understood where you were mentally, when they were being the person they were, they'd be like, I mean, I should like, and, and, and the, the, like the funny thing back. is you'll, you'll be in those States for like four hours at a time. And you're sweating and you're hungry and you need to go to the bathroom, but you can't, you literally cannot, not only can you not, not leave the bar, to go you to can't ba- walk yeah. through the number of people. No, you can't go to the bathroom. There's no place to go to the bathroom. So, anyway, cocktail competition. Listen, kids, stay in school. You, Listen, please, this is the moral please, of the story, kids. Please stay in school. Stay in school. Don't do it. Don't do. drop out of college. There's no, there's no, there's no, ever. There, there's no reason to do it. Just we do. finish school. But when you got to do it, you got to do it. So if you're going to do it, do it well. Um, so I don't even remember no, what we were I, talking I about. Never, I know, so, no, Renaissance Hotel, cocktail competition. Oh, that's right. You won the cocktail competition. The cocktail. So, so, Noah, where we, that's where we started, is that he had a friend. That worked for Renaissance Hotel, I think something with marketing, if I'm not mistaken, something like on that caliper, and said, yo, my friend needs someone from New York to get in this competition. And that's that was that was right when I was like really like rocketing. Like all, so you, all those books, all like I have I have a book underneath my mic right now propping up about cocktails. I read them from front oh, to back. That's right, you do. Front to back. Julian Reiner from Greenpoint, like everything, Liquid Intelligence, David Arnold from Booker and Dax, that uh, Momofuku, that David Chang owns. I read them front to back, on my wow. own accord, all time. I learned everything that I ever possibly could. And the one number one thing that I started to realize is that it's all about palate and balance. And acid needs sugar, and bitter needs 
everything out. Like you just kind of learn how the human palate will work and what can be happening. Like if you cook plums and if you boil them, it's going to be different than if you cook them and like the way that the acids change and the pH levels. It's crazy. Depending stuff. on the temperature, everything, and the medium everything that you're cooking them in. and the medium you're cooking them in. So I started doing all this stuff and I was really, I was like crazy people. Like I was making a new cocktail three times a week so you like you were getting into your creative oh, vibe you were like oh, oh i was oh, yeah you're like oh i can do this well let yeah. me try this and that That's okay it. so he told me i was like all right so we closed the belfry one night friday saturday 4 35 in the morning we ran all our checkouts we put all the credit card tips in it's the sun's coming out and he's like i need to take a video of you making this cocktail to present to my friend so you can get into the competition so you know what it's like at five in the morning after a weekend shift. I know what it's like at six in the morning after a weekend shift. It's seven rough. in the morning after a weekend shift. Yeah, that's when we used to close out the books and we'd sit downstairs drinking we, we, Southern Tier <laughs> Pumpkin that I would like hook up to the tap yeah, just like, to have right. one beer and then unhook it again yeah. and like oh god, Mike, if you're uh, I did I didn't do it that oh, much. I'm knows. sorry, Mike. He knows. Oh, he probably does. He knows. But yeah, it's seven o'clock in the morning, and you had to make a video of doing that at that point after in that sweating state. all night and i was oh, like looking like garbage and so they accepted it somehow and i they flew me or i took a train because the amtrak from new york to dc ain't bad but they would have they would have flew me out They're like yeah well, it's like i'm like really? that sounds like a lot of money so i took a train down business class no big deal <laughs> and uh i went down and they put me up in their hotel and there's a kid from jersey uh there's a kid from colorado and there were a few more. I just didn't remember where they're from. Wow. And they filmed it. There's, I got high def video. You so can, this was like a legit, like. No, this is like a thing. This, this was not. So this is one. And so I won. I, I got very lucky in one. Um, it was called Old Smoke. No, it's not called Old Smoke. It's called Smoke Signals. I'm sorry. I have another cocktail called Old Smoke. And it was Diplomatical Rum, Apple Cider, Cinnamon, and an Amaro that I can't remember. But what I did, I did the Flamed Orange Peel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, and I kind of, I you have to cater to your audience. Yep. I knew that just little. So what happens is that the the oils and zest that are in oranges are flammable. So when you take a lighter and you squeeze it, it like a big flame comes up. Yeah, you can see and that I with gar- citrus. I've taught people that I before. Yeah. You, that was probably like the the clencher. That that was it. A little showmanship. I mean, it was a little del- showmanship. It was delicious. I wouldn't say that. But that's how I won. Yeah. And then presentation. I also in Brooklyn. Our, did you did you ever meet Tara? Um, she was a Jameson no. rep. She's like, hey, I got this. I need someone like last minute to come do this like cocktail competition. I was like, okay. I'm like, what do you need to do? She's like, oh, it's not a big deal. There's like a couple people, and like it's in Brooklyn, and it's on this night. It's like a Tuesday, whatever it was. I show up, 400 people. What? High definition cameras filming from what? I don't know, like lines. I don't know. I was like, Tara. So, yeah, like, wait a minute. Like, what am I doing here? She's like, oh, it's not a big deal. She's like, not a big deal. I'm like, this is a huge deal. Jameson, like, filmed it, edited it, and put it on their global website. Right. I got second place. I mean, second place ain't bad. Really? I got a trophy. It's over there. Dude, I I had no idea. I got pretty good at my craft. So, okay. So, so this is sort of like the point of the podcast is like, so. I knew that you rose to those levels when it came to making cocktails. Like I, I didn't know about the competitions that you won or anything. That that probably would have made this any more rel- or you know that much more relevant. Right. But what did you take away 
getting that good at something yeah. and then stepping back again. I mean, like you're you're still working now. Yeah, um, you're. I don't know how much you're playing music, but like, have you decided to switch? Have you said, okay, I'm so good. I know so much about this cocktail stuff. Like, I, I think writing music is always. It's just. It's never. It's never not like that's not a choice. It's like the therapeutic outlet. Yeah, I'm a very private, personal. I live alone. Yeah. Um, but it, that's not like a. I'm gonna stop. Like I don't think you can ever stop writing music. I don't know. I can't. I can't see anyone being like, I'm done. I'm never gonna write music again. Because. So let me ask you a tough question, and not to put you on the spot, but with that spot. in mind, where you see yourself in five, ten years? Oh, that's a good one. Because I mean, I mean, that's like the most generic interview question. Like, oh, tell me where you're being. But yeah. considering where people like us have come from you know with the artistic yeah, thing path, sort of got repurposed your path, your path ain't too straight right <laughs> you know what i mean and it's because you always want to ask okay it's like someone that has when we look behind us we see nothing but s's there's no straight lines for anything much that we've done because we've always been interested in multiple different things but when you look forward do you see more s's or do you see straight lines so i live very day-to-day I always have. Usually works. Sometimes is difficult. Um, I'm not sure. And part of me is nervous or kind of concerned about that. But then the part of me said, well, if I made it this far and I've met everyone and people still like me and I'm still pretty good at what I do, then why change what I'm doing? I would love to play more music. I love... I would love to put out another album in the next five years. And I, okay. think, I'm, I think I'm going to do it myself. I would love to open a bar. I would love it. Only because I'm out of New York. That's why. In New York. So you wouldn't want to do one in New York? I don't think I'm good enough. Well, no, so you're talking about two different things now. Did you have aspirations to own your own bar? Yeah. Or do you have aspirations to manage a bar that somebody else owns? Because those are two totally different. Very true. No, I, yeah, I don't want to own it. No, you want, you, no. you want to be the guy that's there. I, I want to, well, I that's want, your skill set. I want we've some, been talking I want, about. I want a businessman to come in and be like, "Here's the space, right? I have a chef that's going to make this, and then I need you to make all the drinks, and I need you to train everyone, and I need you to build the bar." Okay, I can do it, but I can't. I'm not in the place in my life where I can do that and still have to think about paying the rent. Right. Well, those are two different skill sets. And they are, and I feel like that that's why Michael Bailey is so impressive. That right. kid he, he, he bought both. it, he and then both. he also built it. Like, yep. I'm not that good. And then he taught us how to bartend. And and, and I mean, there were, there were a lot and of... And then, then I taught him how to bartend. Right. Well, there were... <laughs> listen, I, I, every, I, I just let that one Everybody <laughs> has their strengths and their weaknesses behind the bar. I mean, I remember having conversations with Mike, and he was like... I remember him specifically say, he's like, listen, I don't know how you make that many drinks that fast. That's something I don't do. But, and then he would go into all this stuff that was like way more valuable than just speed. And that's what I didn't appreciate at the time as he was trying to explain to me how to be more efficient. He was trying to explain to me how to be kinder to guests. He was trying to explain to me how to do all these things. And I was just like, but, but I'm so fast and I'm the fastest and I'm they make more drinks and so I just didn't get it. I really, it wasn't I really, sinking in. I think this is gonna be really, really good since you're on tour right now and you're talking to a bunch of people. I believe you're talking to a friend of ours called George Carpenter. Yes. George is next. And that actually wasn't originally designed that way. And it's it's really 
strange, it's gonna be strange that the two guys that yeah. I used to work with. So for those of you who don't know, my next interview coming up is actually so uh, it'll be in a couple of days with with George Carpenter, who is an expiring actor in New York City, and he's got a lot of stuff going on, man. I saw his last play. Very talented. I was blo- I I called him on the phone immediately after I watched his last play. He sent it to me. It took me two months before I put it on. I watched it all in one sitting. It was like an hour and 45 minutes long or something like that. And I called him and I was like, dude, I had no idea. I, I didn't know that like you were this serious. So he's coming on as well. Um, he's going to be here in, in a couple of days. I, I'm doing a conversation with him. And yeah, both of you guys, all three of us worked together. We did. So George and I butt heads because he doesn't drink. <laughs> and I sometimes have a cocktail. One or two. One or two. One or two. But... I'm really excited for you to talk to George because I want to see if his energy level is still like out of this I don't doubt galaxy. It. I don't doubt it. I can't wait to talk to him. But, I just but yeah, really hope, I just somehow wish that the, I, I hope that the end of this one will just go straight into George's. Right. And I, just want, I just want to say that I, George, I love you very much. Oh, dude, I'm sure we all because look, we dude, I butted heads with Mike at times. Me and you butted head at times. Oh, I remember butted, me and oh, James butted head at times. Everybody did. I mean, dude, when no, you and, and it's not ne- see, that's not negative. That's what people understand about the bartending scene. It's like, yeah, you can get real, you can get visceral with people and screaming at people. But and it's because the level of work is so high that everyone just. They sometimes you're in like that moment together. It's like we're all in this together, and this sucks for all of us right now. And it's tough for this, and we're busy, and everyone's hungry, and it's it's tired. Everybody's drunk, and we're all sober. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like I've had to pee for like six Six hours, hours. and it's like I keep drinking, but it's I can't keep hydrated. Five years. Yeah, you go through that together, and five years. Oh, where are you going to be in five years, Nate Danker? Where are you going to be in five years? Not in Saratoga. Okay. I'll either be in California or in a different country. Let me ask you this. How much time have you thought about this question? None. So I was on the front porch with my mom and my little brother the other day. My little brother just got a job with Pepsi, which is, uh, if you haven't heard of it, they're... um, They make make a... They make Pepsi. Soda? They make a... They make Pepsi. Flavored sodas? Yeah, sodas. You buy in cans at the grocery store. Good company. Um, So... (laughs) I always tell my mom one out of, one out of two ain't bad, mom. You got you got one, not, one's working for Pepsi, the other one's starting a podcast. We'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see what hits first. <laughs> but um, but I was standing on the front porch the other day, and to that statement, I said people tend. This is a Tony Robbins statement. I can't take credit for it, but I said people tend to overestimate what they can do in a year, but they drastically underestimate what they can do in ten. And I feel that one of the best things to overcome that is to do a little bit of planning. Like a lot of people never ask themselves the right questions. Like, hey, oh, I don't. I don't, where, I don't where, where, where actually, where, where will I be in five years? Like if I keep doing what I'm doing and now instead of this calendar year add five, what am I going to be doing? Am I going to be doing the same thing? Am I going to be the same person? Maybe well, same you, don't, you, you don't go to from Manhattan to Saratoga and say there for five years tell you that much. You don't do that. I mean, right. I, I am very close to where I grew up, but at the same time, me personally, and I'm this is no, no judgment whatsoever, I don't want to be anywhere near where I grew up. And that's that's a common thread. And I, th- and I think that, you know, if you live in Seattle or Austin or, or Boston or, or Sarasota, like these big cities that have a lot to offer, that's different. When you come from a rural 
suburban town, the mindset is so slow. Once you live in New York, or I, like you said, you live in those big cities, you're like, how do people think this slow it, all the time? And and now listen, we could now we're not even talking about the service industry. No. I mean, you pick pick your industry. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's this 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 was instrumental in me understanding like like the spectrum of things you know there's all in any profession you know we're talking about bartending there's good ones there's bad ones there's also a world of everybody in between the good ones and the bad ones you know that and that goes with every single other profession business owners you know some of them care about their businesses some of them are just trying to exploit money maybe that's what i'm trying to say maybe i'm just more so hard pressed on these people that if you're if you're gonna wake up Get out of bed, set your alarm, take a shower, drive your car to this job. Why not be the best you possibly can? That's – now that? we're talking about, yeah, mindset. Now Again, we're talking like, about – philosophical, I get it. Well, and it's it's a warranted question because it, our, our, our job isn't that hard. I'm sorry. When we were bartenders, it's not that hard. Correct. Correct. It, the, the, the knowledge that you need to know, the physical things, I mean, you can teach those to anybody. What, what you really end up learning as a bartender is how to interact with the other human beings that, that are on the other side Absolutely. of the world. And the ones that you're working with. We. Yeah. Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> we. So, yeah. That was tough. That, that's, th- those are the kind of lessons that you really have to take away from that. But as far as the actual process goes, it's not hard to make a cocktail. No. I mean, now what you do, well, yeah. there's, yeah, but, I can't do that, yeah, but, but I'm not even, I, like you said, but just a, a majority of my time, 50, at least 50% is just making the drinks. Yeah. Like, like normal drinks, not my own custom cocktails. Right. Cause I'd say more of the time people want a draft beer, a vodka soda and a Cosmo or a martini. It's simple stuff. They do say, hello, sir. How are you? Yeah. Well, hell, man, we just hit. Uh, we we almost did two, two hours, hours here. Oh yeah, we're at an hour and no fifty one, minutes right no now. One, no one definitely wants to hear me for two. Dude, hours. I'm totally. I've got an hour and fifty minutes right now. I'm gonna cut this down to like thirty minutes. <laughs> be like, boom, polish this, this up. Weirdo. Here you go. No, no, I'm to- honestly, man. This uh, this entire venture, I'm not trying to force anything. There's. I'm 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 coming up to this where out in Philadelphia this is the podcast movements 2018 is the biggest international convention of podcasters that there is. Now that's happening in Philadelphia when? next week. Wow. This coming Monday is the intro and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday it runs all day. Incredibly. I guess you pitch pretty good time. Edu- yeah, dude, I can't wait to get there. I cannot wait to get to that. I'm going to learn so much from so many people there. But I only bring that up to mention that that right now there's this big push of you need more value per your time and everything has to be like you've got to attract people here and you've got to have your email marketing here and you've got to have your social mar- media marketing here and it's like you got to get more customers, you got to build up your email list and you got to have shorter things and attach more to here and be I get the appeal of having a professional product that provides a value to people. But the value and the product that I'm trying to sell is not fast, 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 slick, slick, you know, super packaged, you know, sleek, this. I'm trying to have actual conversations with people so that we might arrive, excuse me, so that we might arrive at a situation or maybe a point where we disagree where, where we can really truly start to learn some things and, and start to start to get into a real conversation where we're talking about something that matters. 
And I feel like these super short conversations and these these little snippets and these sound bites, that's the reason why I'm podcasting is to get away from that stuff. If I wanted to listen to sound bites, I'd turn on the news. If I wanted to listen to these short little, okay, we got to do this, this, this real fast, I'd read Twitter and, and, and I'd do everything that way. The, the point of these podcasts is that we have the opportunity to express a full thought, that we have the opportunity to take Americans and maybe maybe lengthen their attention span just a bit because it used to be so long and it has become so short. And I think that we're missing I think that we're missing the fact that understanding something and knowing something are two different things. We have all the knowledge in the world right now. You can a, a 5-year-old could pick up a smartphone, they know anything but they don't understand it. And there's a difference between those two things. And I feel like we need more understanding right now. And understanding cannot be rushed and it can't be forced and you can't do it in a soundbite. And I, I get it. You want to read the Cliffs Notes and you want to, what's the new app that's all over Facebook? It's like, oh, you don't have time to read a book. So here's a here's an eight and a half by 11 PDF. It's going to tell you everything you need to know about this book. Well, I, not really, not really. I don't. I don't think so. And so I don't really care how long these are. I'm not setting a time limit on these. I, I'm going to talk to somebody until we get to a point where things are said that are worth saying. And it, I'm not going to force that in, in a, in a five-minute clip. I'm not going to force that in a 30-minute interview. It, it, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. And, and, and so, man, you, you can talk as long as you want about whatever you want. No, I'll do, I'll do a little closing. And I I'll just, edit out all the stuff done sound. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I reserve the right to cut uh, no, everything. I, I think, oh. I think what you said made a lot of sense, especially talking like, because we, we can, I mean, we will, we're going to, we're going to continue to talk. Oh yeah. And this yeah. Is, this we were talking, we, you, we would talk for an hour you, before we started this. You, we'll this talk is, for the 10 hours. The mic happens to be on right now, but we're exactly. going to keep talking. Exactly. So, uh, intelligence can't be rushed. Right. The understanding, I would say at least, uh, you can't understanding quality intelligence cannot be rushed. Right. And, and that's, you can, try, you can try to push it into your head, but if you don't absorb it and understand it, then it means nothing. And and I think there's there's a certain amount of life experience that goes along with that too. I mean, you need to experience you can it's so funny all these cliches that you hear a hundred million times when you're a kid, but they never sink in. But that cliche that you can't have your nose in the books all the time and never look up and experience life and expect to know things. And I think for a long time in my 20s, even in my teens, I didn't get that. I thought, oh, now I know this knowledge, and that means I'm smarter than everyone who doesn't know this knowledge. But I didn't understand that knowledge. I didn't understand the context in which it fit into society and people. It. I didn't absorb it. And, and, and now it's, as, as I'm exposed to that information again and I'm starting to absorb it, and you appreciate it. It's because it, now, now it's lasting. Exactly. Now, now it's part of you. It's not part of something that you have to do. It's now just part of you. When you wake up, it's there. When you go to sleep, it's there. It's real it's because there. you understand. It's tangible. It. It's tangible. It's tangible. You could feel. It. You could reach out. You, you know why these. And it's it's funny. It's like every like the ten things my grandma told me when I was like 
six years old. It's kind of all I needed for life. Like that's really all I needed to know. Like those, that's if true. I would just take like those Keep life your hands lessons, off the stove. True, <laughs> yeah, truly internalize. Like okay, so yeah, like yeah, you could talk about all of those, but. All right, how should we leave them? Something funny, something insightful? What do you think? No, so, like, what we'll probably do is... Uh, here's how I'll leave it. This is all I get. When you're feeling not, it's not good enough, or you're not good enough, or it's not there yet, whatever, I'm sure you can analyze I can it relate. in way you want. Just do it. Who cares? Yeah. What's... The, someone comes back and says, this is terrible, don't ever do this again. All right, well, then, that's the, that's the day. Tomorrow, the sun's going to come up, and you're going to continue with your life. So if you have anything that you're striving to do, just continue to do it. Who cares? Just do it for yourself. I I, yeah. I, I will absolutely. I, I think that that's a, a phenomenal point to bring up, and I cannot help but I, I have to give a shout out to like one of my best friends, uh, Josh McCray. He's the he's one of the guys that he, he's the guy I'm going to interview out in Denver. Awesome. So so when I go out there, and I was part of an internet startup with him for for a little bit, and my tendency is to plan, 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 and take no action. He's the opposite. And he was sort of the guy that inspired me because he was the one that finally, the point that you just made, the fact that it's all about feedback. You have to go out there and fall on your face. You have have to figure out what did I just do. You got to learn from your mistakes. Failure failure is fantastic. Exactly. It's the number one thing that you're going to learn from. You won't feel it that day, but failure is fantastic. Sucks at the time. But that is how you learn the most stuff. And even having an episode or two of this the feedback like when people are like hey i enjoyed this part of this but this thing that you did over here i didn't like that is so valuable to me because from my perspective this is all just like a whitewashed blur like i don't know what pictures look good I don't know what things are interesting anymore. I don't know what my websites look like. I can't figure out how to my passwords and this syncing with that and thing. I am so lost on I'm so lost on all this stuff. Like I spend like 16 hours a day with like both of my hands on my head staring at my computer like how am I going to fix this problem? You can do it. But You'll the it. feedback from the fi- nothing has encouraged me more. Then when people are reaching out to me on Facebook, they're texting me, they're calling me, they're emailing me, and they're saying, hey, I enjoyed your episode. I, this thing looks good. What's better than or, that? Or, hey, some of my other friends, and, and please, if you're out there, some of my other friends are like, hey, I like what you're doing here, but there's this one little thing here that I think you should fix because this is happening. Dude, that is exactly what I want to hear. I want someone to look and tell me what I could make better Listen. because because of what's wrong. You know what I mean? Like that's... And that feedback, you get that from putting something out there. You can't sit on your couch, Netflix and chill, and get that feedback. You got to create something first, and it's hard. But it's it's amazing that you recognize that. But just put that. it out. Put it out. Yeah. Put it out. That that that's that's. But the just key. put it out because no one else is doing it. Yeah. And you know what? No one else wants to do it because it's scary. It's really scary. Just do it. It's scary as hell, and it's a ton of hard work. Find what it is that you think you should do and then go do it that's it yeah and there's don't worry about your ego don't oh don't, because no. because you're, you're gonna First fail you're yeah. gonna fail oh you're going to fail so so and get that out of the way now put your ego in the garbage just as fine yeah they have lavender scented garbage bags now yeah pick them up today you drop your ego right in there right pick in them there. up at, it's okay pick them up at walmart it's great be, no just be yeah ex, exp, explain to yourself before you do that it's gonna be terrible yeah and then if it isn't holy 
God, is that amazing? That's I, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is there's so many people that think, oh, well, I'm just going to plan, and then if I do enough planning, everything will go perfect. No, no. it won't. Are you kidding me? No, that's yep. not how business works. No, you're going to fit. This is going to be terrible. I don't care how much planning you're doing. This is going to be terrible. I mean, anybody who's successful can tell you the stories. Oh, they all failed. That I mean, we're gonna. We're, I'm going to head to a lot of places and talk to a lot of people that Absolutely. will tell those specific stories. We've told some tonight about how we failed, dropped the ball, fell a little bit short, and then learned from it to move forward. Wait. And now you pick up those mistakes. You know, it's like I said, you know, learning all those things that, that I did wrong playing music. Now I'm going to try to apply them in a correct way podcasting. You know, you took all those things that you may might have done wrong, done wrong bartending or I'm sorry, playing music, and now you're doing them with the mixology, yeah, winning competitions, yeah. and yeah. you know it's yeah. you got to learn from your mistakes, and, and you can't be scared to do things. So I, I think that's a great note to end on. Is just what, I'm trying to inspire people with this podcast. I want people to know that it's better to create than consume. I, I want people to, to to go out there and to just take some risks. I mean, take a risk, please. Take do a it. risk, and because what, that's the only the way worst? you learn. What's the worst? That's, I, I think that this country right now. More people need to have more knowledge, and, and the best way to learn is, is to try and to do new things. And, and Arm yourself with intelligence. Yeah. Get, get out there and do it. Oui. Hey, I think that's a great place to stop. Mr. Nate Danker, uh, t- tell everybody how they can find you. Are you one of these uh, social media guys? Mm, you on the Twitter uh, feed and the book face and the Instagrams the and book face, all face. that stuff? You want to tell people? I don't know. I want some Danker. new followers. You'll find me. Nate I'll, Danker. I'll pull some stuff. Um, if you happen to be friends with Jason Juliet, you can find Nate Danker on his friend list. You can, and uh, if you find yourself vacationing upstate, come to Morrissey's Bar in the Delphi Hotel. It'll be the best cocktail bar in all of Saratoga. But wow. Nate Danker, yeah, you'll find me. Awesome, man. We. Oui. Hey, man, thank you so much for. Hey, thank you for inviting me to Saratoga, having me in your home, doing this interview, all this stuff, man. Truly appreciate it. I'm really happy to have you here, dude. Like, you're my first stop on the tour. You realize that? I mean, you're my second interview ever. You are you the first start, stop you on you this tour. Start with the best. Like, how does it work? <laughs> it's all downhill from here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's all downhill. Hey, if you guys made it through this episode, just cut your losses now. Cash in your chips. Fold your hand. Walk away. That's it. Good luck, George. <laughs> That's right. Good luck, George. See how you follow that one. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. All right, guys, and that is the first interview of the tour wrapped up. I want to thank Nate for letting me crash with him while I was up there, for letting me talk to him, and just for being an all-around great dude. I appreciate you, buddy, and I look forward to the next time we get to come up there and hang out. And for all of you wanting to know more about the podcast, please check out jasonjuliet.org. All of my information is going to be up there. Look for that to be getting a new update relatively soon within the next couple of weeks and as i said please feel free to look for me on apple podcasts on google podcasts stitcher and spotify coming up again within the next week or two please join me next week where i'm going to be releasing my conversation with george carpenter we had a fantastic talk down in brooklyn new york he is a really great guy and i think that you guys should all hear some of the things that he has to say and until then i will see you soon